Okay, so let's so stop. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Parenting Unknown Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thanks again for listening for another week. Hopefully everything is going well with everyone. I mean, I can't complain on my end. Yes, my kids are, I guess one's really even his terrible twos. The other one's just kind of starting halfway, halfway over. But other than that, I can't complain. <laughs> I mean, I should, but I can't. So the episode I want to talk about is how kids can de-stress. And I want to do an episode about kids distressing because it's close to home. And as a parent, we just want those alone times. Whether it be a mom's day, a dad's day, or a day out with your friends, we feel like we need to step away and decompress and take some time off from the stresses from adulthood and if you're a parent from parenthood. But it kind of feels like the kids get a bit overlooked and not realize that they need some de-stress from what they're going through. A lot of you may ask, or maybe your, your parents may ask, you know, what could be so hard about being a kid? Well, put it this way. You forget everything you know, then try learning everything in just a few years. In the first few years, there's already a demanding of eating, potty training, talking, school, playing, and getting involved with others, you know, and so on and so on. Kids can't help. Kids can get unwanted stress from the pressures we put on them as parents. I mean, not saying that you or me do it, but in the general tone of this current generation, uh, a pressure we put on the kids when we're measuring and comparing our kids to others. And honestly, it just has to stop. Our kids are their own people. We need to start acting like it and start treating them as, it, as they are. What works for one may not work for the other. And with research from our country and others in child development, kids need time to advance. They need time to learn. They need time to let their little brains develop. And it's wrong for us to expect them to read and write by the age of five. Sure, you could teach them at an age for their own pace, from school setting, from, you know, grades maybe pre-K to one, but it's a lot. And when the kids get into this grade, suddenly you see, you send them to a room filled with other kids and a strange new adult is teaching them things. Sure, they only go for a few hours, maybe the first two years, and then pretty soon it gets close to an eight-hour day. There's making friends, there's rejection, learning, getting the wrong answer to even little kid politics. And not to mention, if a kid falls behind in learning, they are worried not to look stupid for everyone. So you have kids like me who are scared to raise your hand and ask a question to what you're trying to learn. Kids in my time, they would call you a schoolboy. And back then, being a schoolboy was being a little bitch. <laughs> I mean, that's just what it translated to. I mean... I'm just going to be honest, being a little schoolboy, being smart, learning, you're just looked at as a little bitch. And the kid politics that kick in, they start, they start chipping you away. Might get a bully here and there from that. And it turns kids off. I've seen it. I've been through it. I've seen other friends go through it. It's just a bitch. <laughs> but, you know, it's just a lot in this situation. We really don't dissect. When I was small, all this was true. I had... I had a speech impediment. I mean, I still do at times. And not once was I ever asked how life was. It was just the same thing from generation to generation. 
coming from a big family, there wasn't really time to ask. It pretty much just was go to school, deal with it while I work. I got to do things when you're at school. Maybe after school, I might talk to you a little bit, and that was it. It wasn't how I was doing, how I felt being taken away from my normal schooling to go to a therapist, talk about or try to help with my speech, and it, it just sucks. I mean, the stress effects can cause mood swings, behavioral problems, loss of appetite. I didn't have that. And seclusion, which I did have. I mean, I was a little chubby boy, so that appetite thing didn't hit me, but damn, the seclusion did. And the mood swings, they were very, very, very big. But crazy, right? I mean, kids go through all this. We really don't think about it. But our society grooms us to get ready to work at the age of five and to go to school. We learn to work. Be there for about eight hours. You have homework. We get breaks and lunches. There's bells that tell us when to get up, when to leave. And of course, they open and they close. We do this from the ages of five to about 18. It's a 13-year cycle. It's what's expected. It, it really is. It's just a part of the regular cycle that you just think the norm of. You're supposed to ex- we're just supposed to accept it. We're supposed to accept that our kids go to school for 13 years. And when they're done with that, they're expected to learn, I don't know, be a good citizen, have a good job, go to college, do this, do that, be productive. But it's a lot in those 13 years that gets lost in translation. There's a lot of emotional distress. Even more now, there's a bunch of kids that are suffering from depression, suffering from stress, anxiety. Uh, I used to have a niece. I didn't used to have, I still have her, but she would have some kind of like behavioral problems and it stemmed from being bullied at school from having this panic attacks, this anxiety, and it sucks. You think about it, you're a kid, you're not supposed to be dealing with this. You're supposed to be having fun, enjoying things, but that's just what's expected. It's just part of the game. It's just part of what we're told to do. And those stress factors and emotions kids feel are, are supposed to be normal. It's expected. And why again? Just because it is. So what can we do as a parent, as adults, to help our kids out? First step is knowledge. First step is acknowledging the kid's feelings. Bringing up the fact that you notice something that may be a little off or it may seem a little stressful. And honestly, that could do wonders to them. For those little seconds that you're asking, you're legit treating them as a peer, as a person to person. Now you're looking down at them as parent to kid. You're just person to person, genuinely asking what is wrong. It could work wonders, just that alone. It shows our caring and willingness to show that the kids aren't alone. And thinking back as a kid, one of the worst feelings was that when, whenever I was going through something, I had that feeling like I was alone in my problems. Having to be told and made fun of how I talk was a huge hit to my self-esteem. And it made me less eager to really want to say anything in front of the class or anybody in that matter, just, just out of fear. And I thought I was the only one, to be honest. I just needed someone to just say, you know, they had my back. So putting an effort to tell your kids that it goes a long way and it helps cope with and figure out the next steps. Developing trust is a big part in the way kids distress. It's, it's really a mental hurdle to let you and your kids know that this is a learning experience. All things will change. Listening to the kids' problems can help a lot. Sometimes kids just want someone to let it out with. And you know, it's just like us as adults. We have a friend, we have a wife, somebody to vent. The love we show in this hard time from them really plays out where the kid goes from here forward. Something as simple as a hug can help ensure them that they, they're going to overcome this. 
Good simple way to de-stress, especially for kids, is exercise from riding bikes, outdoor time, taking a walk, going to the park, or even playing catch, taking the focus off for whatever they may be dealing with for a second. And then let the kids loosen up. Our bodies and mind are one, and where one might struggle, the other one can help out a bit. Uh, something I haven't tried out yet with my kids, but upon some research, it was drawing and painting. I mean, we do this as part of our schoolwork to, you know, develop some skills, like some uh, motor skills, and help with the imagination. But I never really looked and thought of it as a de-stressing tool, which makes sense because I'm pretty sure if you've seen it, and if not, they're, they have adult color books, and it's a way to distress too. So it only makes sense that this would be taught for learning for kids. But sometimes the communication can be seen or expressed with drawing or describing their feelings. Another way we could help distress is invite your kid to vent. Let out all of its anger, frustration, laugh, cry, whatever they need to do to let it out. And it helps take a weight off their shoulders. But finding ways to relax on a daily can be carried from the childhood to adulthood. Breathing exercises, meditating, praying, yoga, or relaxing exercises like you know, a, a Tai Chi or a martial arts. And it's these little things that can show kids the building blocks to bridge the gap from mind to body. And you know, this one, bridging the gap between mind and body, my old Mexican culture of mine would say, that's nonsense. All we would do was just spank the kid and move on. <laughs> it's terrible, but that was the answer for a lot of things. Spank them, move on. What, you have a problem? Shut up, deal with it, get out of here, get out of my face. It was always so much easier to do that opposed to sitting down and talking and acknowledging and doing all this stuff. I mean, but if I did all this stuff growing up, I wouldn't be here talking about my issues and working out on them and trying to help other people that may have some similar things, you know, like, you know what, you're not alone, you can get through this, do it together. And breaking the cycle is really something too real and is looked over. It's not thought of. But we need to practice it where we deem fit. And if stress goes unlooked, it just leads to childhood depression, to PTSD. Our mind is our strongest weapon in dealing with these issues. And if we learn these skills early, we can better attack these issues when they come up. None of this was ever taught to me. And for the most part of, you know, of others my age. In our Mexican culture, we really don't talk about our feelings. We talk shit behind our backs, but not really our you know, deep feelings that we're hurting with. But you know, it has to stop. Enough of growing and breeding stressful kids, carrying the weight of adulthood, you know, way too early. It has to stop. People can, I mean, people could deny all they want, but kids feel these feelings, but coming from an experience, it happens, and it's something that I want to do to teach my kids to cope with. Yeah, I mean, want to keep the adult stress away from them, but kids will still feel their own kid stress, their own issues and dealings that they're going to do. And yeah, the kids, and yeah, you know what? They're kids. And guess what? They need to be taught over and over and over again. The brain is a huge sponge in the early years and it's a lot going on. So be patient. And it's advice I'm taking that I'm giving myself because my boy, when something happens, he likes to scream or cry before the situation gets handled like for an example if i don't know just say he's really thirsty and he needs his water and if it's not right in front of him he'll freak out and he'll start he'll yell out a scream or he'll start to cry a little bit and say you know my water is missing my water where's my water 
And suddenly we look at him like, you know, kid, like, why are you crying for? What's going on? What do you need help with? And of course, my son cries really loud. So we either have to talk close to his ear so he can actually hear us he's that loud. Or we're going to have to tell him to, you know, stop crying real quick. Take a deep breath. Once he's done that, okay, what's going on? What do you need help with? And yeah, a couple of times he's done it where he said he needs help. He uses his words first is what we tell him. And you know, other times he just, he cries and he throws it. But it's, it's all part of the learning process for kids and parents. It, it really tests our, our patience, our anger, because trust me, if everything's quiet, you guys are relaxing and you hear a scream that's for no reason, like one of those little whiny ones, you kind of look like, ah, going to be one of those days. But, you know, if you, if you drill into them, you know, help use your words, express yourself, communicate with us so we can help you so you're not alone on this over and over again and teach them so that finally when it does click they could do it and I've, I've seen my boy done this a couple of times and you can see that you know not that big of a deal in the end all stuff that he was fearful for all the stuff he was crying for it's nothing once you ask somebody to help, you know hold his hand help him through things talk through it you get a you get a new little uh, lesson being built in their head, and they can grow from it. But you know, as a parent, be patient, and we gotta invest in our kids' mental health. My kids cry and deal with their own frustration, but when we tackle these issues together, we use this as learning experience for the next one. Because believe me, there is gonna be a next time. But we work, we work, and we work at it. Don't expect a kid to be a wellness coach after a few talkings to. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, just be there for them. Pants up. That's something I'm trying to, you know, new. Well, not really new because from the start, we always wanted to do this with our kids, talk, communicate. I mean, that's how some people ask us, you know, how, how long me and my wife have been together, like going on 13, 14 years. A lot of people ask, you know, what's their secret? And it's really not a big secret, but I feel like a lot of people don't do this and it's communication. It's expressing yourself, and it, believe me, it wasn't easy. It was it was a work, but we came through it through the other side. And it was one thing that we wanted to pass down to our kids to make sure that they communicate. Good feelings, bad feelings, happy, sad, communicate. And you know, but my kids will have manners. They'll have humility. They'll have love, compassion, empathy, and the tools to use when the world is not going to go their way and how to deal with it. I mean, we parents got to be there hand in hand for them. Don't be that continuous point in the cycle. You have to break it. And I can't really stress this enough about breaking the cycle because a lot of times that we have our issues, when we step back and look at them, we find out that they're just repeating from generations before. It's certain, these certain traits that get passed down, great grandparents to grandparents, daughters, grandkids. And it's just one of the things that I've observed that I, Honestly, I really didn't pay attention to any of this. It was just life as usual growing up, and it's just something you did. Now, looking back, looking back to write for some of these episodes, looking back to do some more research in my mind and try to pull up memories, a lot of things you start noticing. You start pointing one to one together, and it's scary sometimes to think, you know, I had a bunch of cousins that were going through like their own little PTSD 
from their parents being on drugs to I don't even want to say what else, but just that alone, your parents being on drugs, getting high, it's going to take an effect. It's going to have this some kind of a negative impact in your in your mind. And how does that affect you? Repeating the cycle, doing what they did, saying they want to do different, but in the end, they're just exactly the same as their parents. And I'm not saying my cousin, you know, from doing that word, but I'm choosing that as an example. I could say from what happened to my grandma, from my great grandma, being abused, being beat, growing up strict religious, that kind of got passed down to her 10 kids, being strict, getting beat, being whooped. And from some of those kids passing it down to my generation, me and my cousins. And who's to say if any of them had the time to sit down with their kids, teach, learn, try to get one-on-one with them, help them out. Who was to say that all my aunts and uncles would have been different? Maybe for the good. But I don't know. It's a huge reflection. It's a lot of questions. It's a lot of what ifs. And the only thing I, I can say now is that I can't change the past. I can only think, you know, what if this with some of the tools and things that I learned? All I could think is what if. But that doesn't change face from reality of what's happened. The past, present, and future. It All it does is that I'm in control now. And I dictate what I want to do for the future. I dictate what I want to do and how I'm going to teach the kids. And that's something you just got to own up to. Don't be, don't be afraid to carve your own path in your own family history. And if there's something that was going on in your family you didn't like and you have kids, change it. From the biggest things to the smallest things, it's, it, it's all worth it in the end. So thanks again for listening for another week. Hopefully everything is going well. And until next time.